A public records request reveals that the Virginia government is dishing out some $6 million to Planned Parenthood. Does this mean our taxpayer dollars helped build a so-called state-of-the-art abortion center in Richmond? If so, what can we do about it? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, last weekend we celebrated Mother's Day. So, Victoria, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this special day and kind of some lessons learned from that. Well, I will say that one's perspective on Mother's Day depends on their place in the family. Because as a mom now, I think what a great day that we actually try to give moms a little bit of a break. And I really do appreciate my husband always gives me these nice gifts and my kids always pick up an extra chore and they do a little bit. But I have to be honest, I can look back to when I celebrated Mother's Day as a kid to my mom. And I kind of remember that it was still a crazy, hectic day. We were always, you know, it's Sunday, so we were headed to church and things were always a scramble. And I look back and I think, boy, I wish I had been a little less selfish and a little more honoring and that there was a little bit more of a break. But I do think for all moms, the reality is just set reasonable expectations on what your kids will and won't do because they're still kids. Yeah, the reality is kids will be kids. So I like what you're saying about just setting those expectations at the right place. Do you have some practical tips on kind of how to do that in reality when the day's playing out? Because just with anything in life, sometimes it's it's hard to not get emotional about things. Yeah, I mean, you have to think of it as a day like any other that, yes, there's special things that might happen. But if you mentally plan out, I really want to spend the afternoon in the hammock. Something will go wrong. It is inevitable. And so, um, and, and honestly, like some of the best gifts are your kids that do those handmade coupons, like here's an hour of snuggle time or here. I've gotten some of those. And honestly, those are really wonderful. And that, you, you know, the break will come later when you get to cash those coupons in and somebody's vacuuming your floor for you because they gave you a coupon to do that. That is a great attitude. Hi, if you're listening today thinking, how do I get my kids equipped with a biblical worldview in this chaotic culture? Just look for the student program section in the menu of our website. That's familyfoundation.org, familyfoundation.org. Well, moving on to today's topic, we've got some breaking news from the Family Foundation. We've done some investigating that has revealed what really amounts to a state-subsidized slush fund for Planned Parenthood. Victoria, tell us what's going on with this. Well, yeah, we actually, the Family Foundation every year actually does this. We do what they call a FOIA request. That's just freedom of information. And what it means is we can ask the government about details about what are we spending our tax dollars on. And we do it every year. And so we did it again. And what did we find now? Different than we found in years past, we found that our state government has contracts with Planned Parenthood for roughly $6 million. And that doesn't even necessarily get to the $7 million that we know was just put into our new state budget for contraceptive devices, most of which probably will actually flow to the abortion centers. Now we're gonna break that money down in a few minutes, but first I wanna point out something else very interesting because just last year, the Virginia League for Planned Parenthood announced its grand opening of a quote, new state-of-the-art center in the East End community of Richmond. Even before it was opening, this center was projected to have some 20,000 visits per year. So the big question is, did this state subsidized slush fund, essentially, help Planned Parenthood open that center and basically target more low-income families in Richmond? 
Well, you just have to look at the reality of the situation. So imagine yourself, and this is a bad, bad thing to imagine, but imagine you're the head of a Planned Parenthood. You have a budget, and your budget includes things like um, primarily doing abortion and secondarily things like teaching sex ed in schools and prisons. And then it also includes things like operations, keeping the lights on and the mortgage and paying your salary of your team. Well, guess what? If the government funds any one aspect of that, it frees up money for the other aspects. So absolutely, when government hands them money for anything, we know it furthers other objectives like a brand new state-of-the-art facility. Okay, well, let's just break down these numbers a little bit. So you've got the $6 million coming in through various contracts our health department has with Planned Parenthood organizations, one of which is the Planned Parenthood of South Atlantic, which apparently has several locations in Virginia, and it was awarded over $1 million to provide for, quote, adolescent health services, whatever that means. And then you've got another uh, $4.7 million going to the Virginia League for Planned Parenthood for something called the Contraceptive Access Initiative. Yeah, the terminology may be a little mysterious because basically they're big, vague terms and you can put a lot of stuff under them. And honestly, it really comes down to the administration. Is your administration pro-life or is it pro-abortion in its entire perspective? It's in the eye of the governor because they can take those topics and go in totally different directions with their contracts. I remember when we had a pro-life administration, my husband happened to be deputy secretary of health during that administration. And then one of the first things they did is they went in, found all the contracts going to Planned Parenthood, and they just slashed them, made them zero, stopped them in their tracks. And so once you do that, you're good to go. The legislature also can require that. But now we've got pro-abortion legislature pro-abortion governor. And so he reinterprets and starts sending money to Planned Parenthood. Well, also keep in mind, this is the same thing we saw this governor do with federal abstinence money. If you remember, the federal government has a category on abstinence. And what did this governor do? He interpreted that to mean that he could create a sex text hotline, send postcards to our kids, encouraging them to text their questions about sex to an anonymous stranger. That's his interpretation of abstinence. Yeah, if you saw those postcards, it was clear this had absolutely nothing to do with abstinence. It couldn't have been further from that because they were encouraging young teens to text their questions to strangers about things like contraception, sexual activity, gender identity. Um, I don't see how you could justify that as abstinence. So to your point, you can pretty much make any term mean what you want it to with these vague government programs. Thanks for tuning in if you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Now, in addition to the approximately $6 million worth of contracts awarded to Planned Parenthood by our state health department, we also saw they could easily have access to another $7 million allocation in the 2021 state budget, right? Yeah, it's not exactly clear. So you have what they have existing contracts for, and that could be for a lot of different things. But then you have this new pocket of money that's in the budget for long-active reversible contraceptives, or what people call LARCs. And we believe, because of the discussion around that and the way that whole process works, it's very likely the abortion industry gets most of that money, if not all of it. And there could be some overlap, so that part's unclear, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't know in their current contract, is all the money going towards LARCs already, or is it because they're teaching sex ed in our schools and the government's funding them? Okay, now when you talk about this LARC program, long-acting reversible contraceptives, first of all, this was supposed to be a pilot. Now it's looking like it's becoming more permanent in our state budget. But 
talk to us about what this program means, what kind of things it funds, and why it's dangerous. Yeah, so the LARC program, LARCs refer to these interuterine devices or hormonal contraceptives. Now, there's lots of kinds of things in that category, but the bottom line is, first of all, some of them actually cause abortion. So we would say those as a whole, the government should never be involved with. They're not even contraceptive in nature. But there's also the fact that the way this is often done, and this is maybe the, the insidious part of this program, is that actually what happens is a woman comes in for an abortion. She's in a vulnerable state. State, she's in crisis. And while she's about to get her abortion, part of that process, they say, hey, and how about when we're done, we insert a lark. And I'm just going to tell you what I can imagine that feels like in that moment. So they're going to say, hey, let's make sure that for free, the government's going to pay for this device and the insertion, and you don't have to have kids for 10 years. And oh, by the way, they don't probably mention that you're going to have to pay to get this thing removed when you actually want children and want to in to increase your family. So it's just a very, very preying on a vulnerable woman in a, in a bad moment that she's already got enough to contend with. Well, and like you said, we don't want our taxpayer dollars going toward exploiting vulnerable women in moments like that. Plus, once again, we've got the government treating babies like there's something be, to be prevented or there's something wrong with having a baby, like it's a condition to avoid. The entire history of Planned Parenthood was a founder who really had this view of there are just some people that society shouldn't let have children, that we, if we just got rid of them on the front end, then society, I mean, what in the world? That kind of awful mindset that we call eugenics, essentially, is the whole reason that that industry was created. And now we're sort of just doing it and talking about it in a more subtle way, but that is what it's about. And we should look at children as a blessing. Exactly. And just to add injury to insult here, our governor recently signed into law a new measure allowing health insurers enrolled in Virginia's Obamacare Health Exchange Program to pay for abortion coverage. So now we've opened up a whole other taxpayer funding stream for the abortion industry. Yeah, we can't forget, first of all, that taxpayers don't want us funding abortion, that they have over and over in polls said, we don't want to do this. But, you know, it's just the fact we've got, I, I got to note the fact that Governor Northam, and we said this over and over in this battle over Larks, he was elected with $3 million given to his campaign from Planned Parenthood. So basically he's paid them back. There really is a real thing called political kickbacks, and we are watching it play out with our tax dollars. Except he's using our money to pay them back. So yeah. that's what's frustrating. And it's just another reminder why we need good pro-life candidates. And we need to pay attention to what these candidates really believe when it comes to the sanctity of human life. Absolutely. We have got to make good choices on people who won't reinterpret words like abstinence or, you know, contraceptive to actually be abortifacients. Did you know that all 100 seats in the Virginia House of Delegates and all three statewide offices, governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, they're all up for re-election, which will be held Tuesday, November 2nd. It's not too early to help get the word out and start educating your friends, loved ones, neighbors on how your current legislators voted on key family, life, and freedom issues for the last two sessions. You can get this important resource now at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Just look for the report card banner and be prepared to vote your values. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when our cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable. 
Inconceivable! 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 So for the last few months, we've been hearing this non-stop push to legalize recreational marijuana as fast as possible because that's somehow going to magically restore social justice and equity in all of our neighborhoods. At least that's the argument you hear. But get this. The Biden administration is now saying it plans to ban menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars. Why? Because those products disproportionately affect the health of, quote, communities of color. Does something about this seem inconsistent to you? Yeah, on the one hand, they're looking at some very compelling data from the CDC showing that the tobacco industry has aggressively marketed these menthol products to black people and our youth, even placing more advertising in black publications. But at the same time, you have liberals rushing to be the first to legalize marijuana, a drug that is known to serve as a gateway to long-term addiction, you know, hurting our youth and others. It seems like liberals want to have it both ways based on what's politically convenient, like to have their cake and eat it too. Or I guess you could say have their legalized pot and smoke it too. But seriously, this is another instance of where you see science obviously sacrificed to the winds of politics, and that doesn't serve our families. Well, it's also interesting that the ACLU actually tried to course correct the Biden administration on this, saying that a menthol cigarette ban would actually have, quote, serious racial justice implications, especially when it comes to policing and things like that. Yeah, the ACLU also put that same kind of pressure on politicians here in Virginia to legalize marijuana. So I guess you just know you're in trouble when the ACLU is providing the only consistency in their arena here. Yeah, I guess that means we're going to have to give this week's inconceivable award to the Biden administration for completely inconsistent policies when it comes to trying to be woke with cigarettes and marijuana. Well, it's time to wrap things up and just remind everyone... After we're done compiling these inconceivable awards, we're going to put them in a top 50 list that you can download. So if you want to participate in this process, be sure to send in your nominations to speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. That's speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together. 